This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm Danny Manjoyu and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Good morning, afternoon and evening. This is the Stacey West podcast. It's episode number 238. I am your host Gary and for this effort, I am joined by Mr. Chris Lamming. How are you doing? Hello, very well. Thank you. Good to be back. How are you? I ache, mate, a bit, actually. Yeah, I was going to say congratulations on your run. Thank you. Big run. Yep. Well, it's, it's always been a running joke, and uh, pardon the pun, um, where I've said I want to run to rugby. And I, I, th- I think I said it to you and Dave mm-hmm. like, back in September. And I could just, and then I, I was meant to do it last weekend before the game, and I kind of didn't do it. And I kept thinking, well, I can't keep saying I'm going to do it and then not do it because eventually people it's going to become a joke, isn't it? So I got up and did it. So that was you completing your 60 miles, though, wasn't it, for the month? That was it, yeah, yeah. The idea yeah. was I wanted to do something big to complete it as well. So Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. fair play to you. So if anyone didn't know, Gaz was running 60 miles in September for Calm. Yeah. And his last 11 miles, was it 11 miles, was it? Last 11 miles of the, of the journey was from where you live to, to Rugby. Yeah, yep. did that on Saturday before the game. So yeah, fair play to you, mate. That's that's good, good going. And the thank you. The feeling of walking into Dave's shop, having actually done it. Uh, Dave's our other mate. He's never on the podcast, but he did listen to the podcast last week. Actually, um, he messaged me about something. Yeah, the feeling of walking into a shop and he was like, "You just run from Withcall." And I'm thinking, well, either that or I've got really bad dress sense and I've got sweaty walking from the car. So. Um, Yes, it's all good. Uh, so that got the endorphins pumping. You've so you're obviously you're talking a little bit about rugby. You won't want to say too much, but you've not had a favourable result this morning. You've been beaten, but played well. Yes, one of those. One of those. I won't talk too much about the actual result, but yeah, I came away from from the, the game feeling oddly upbeat after a defeat. But to be honest, could be could be said from yesterday as well. To be honest. It was good that one. I set that up. That was really good. I really like that. <laughs> now, as always, we've referenced how good it was, and we've not even carried on with the with the segue. No, I know. I was, I was, I was actually setting up, not expecting you to seize on it, and then you've seized on it, and it's taken me by surprise a little bit because I was going to then come back and go, "That's probably how Mark Kennedy feels," um, and listening to his post match, it was. So, we're a Lincoln City podcast. We will cut through. Uh, the usual chit-chat away at Portsmouth yesterday. They were top of the league. Uh, expected very, very little. Ended up losing 2-1, which, you know, OK, so we've lost the game. The most positive I've felt after a game of football in a long while. And regular listeners, readers of my, my work will be shaking their heads as I say this now. But given the injuries that we've got, um, I just think we it's almost like we've got this... These, not barrier to failure, because if we'd gone there and we'd been dreadful, like when we went to Oxford under Michael Appleton and we didn't play a striker, you, if you go and you, you don't offer something, then I think it's an issue. But actually, we've gone to Fratton Park and the truth is we've matched uh, the, the currently 
the best team in the league because the team at the top are currently supposedly the best team in the league and and we've pretty much matched them but let's let's strip it back to the start so I mean my from what I could see I haven't kind of broken it down it looked very much like a a 3-4-3 with um, hacks through the centre Rico on one side and Ted Bishop on the other to be honest I think it was more of a more of a five four one to be honest. Majority of the yeah, time. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm not being pedantic. I think normally we do play that three four three with kind of those seven elevens, kind of those kind of wide tens. However you want to say it, they were they are kind of generally quite a long way in front of the midfield too at Arahan and, and and Hamilton. I think yesterday our wider players were a lot more disciplined out of possession positionally mm-hmm. than maybe we have been in in other games. And um, when we had the ball, of course they they went and did their normal stuff. But yeah, without the ball, I think they they certainly seemed a little bit deeper than normal. We we were very much five four one out of possession, which is you know there's, there's no shame in that at all. Going away to Portsmouth and you know made a really good start. Couldn't have had a better start, really, could we? Do you know what? So um, I watched the game, but I obviously I'd been been out in the morning, and literally I was turning it on. And as I was turning it on, I said to Fee, "Oh, I missed the first five minutes." Let's turn it on, see if we're one nil down. And that's not that that that's kind of the pessimist in me. And that's the well, we've not got the striker and we know what Portsmouth are all about, blah, blah, blah. And I literally turned it on and it's like one nil, Hacks has scored. And we'll we'll come on to Hacks briefly in a second. Um, and you just think, oh, what a great start that is, because this Lincoln City side are disciplined and organized. We've got a goal if we just keep it tight for the next 10 minutes. And I think that was the key. Do you know, genuinely, if I think I think if we hadn't conceded so soon after the goal, I think it would have been okay. But let's strip it back to the goal. We talked about hacks last week. Um, you know, the redemption arc, the, the story of the summer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I've got a question from somebody that I'll put to you in a second. Um, okay. but it would be rude just to mention hacks in the goal because last press is really high up, wins the ball off Jack Sparks, a player who didn't impress me that we were linked with in the summer, by the way. He didn't impress me at all yesterday. Lovely little touch from Rico, and it's actually a cracking finish, isn't it? It is, yeah. I'm pleased you mentioned last there because um, I was really pleased with with the goal in terms of how we won it back. And of course, it was only a few minutes into the game. You know, it's normally a bit fast and frantic. And I was really pleased with our kind of off the ball positioning. So, you know, Hacks and Rico were blocking off the centre of the pitch. The ball went to their left side of the centre half. I think that was, I think it was Paul playing left side, wasn't it? So the only the only pass he had available was the pass out to Sparks. It wasn't a central pass on, which is exactly what you want. But that then means that the spacing has to be right for for the wing-back who's pressing that. Because if Lass is on, on Sparks already really tight, well, Paul doesn't pass in the ball. He, has to, he goes long, you know, he, he gets it out of danger because he isn't an obvious pass. Of course, if Lass is too far away, you give the ball to Sparks, he gets time on the ball, and then he picks a pass and they're, they're forward. It's kind of a really clever trap. So you, you're far enough away to kind of bait the pass because it leaves the only obvious pass on. But he's close enough so that once the trigger of the clearly the trigger for us to him to press was the ball as soon as Rico uh, not Rico sorry Regan Paul gets his head down to pass it wide, Lass is on his on his bike and he's there really aggressively because he tried he did it again the second half once or twice as well and I think that was just a really good um, just tactical tactical discipline like the spacings of, of everybody to allow us to set that trap and win it back in a really dangerous area worked obviously he did so he won it back knocked it into to Rico. Another a really well weighted pass. You know that's not the first time I've said that in terms of assists either, is it? And then of course, yeah, magical finish and pandemonium. And like you say, the the redemption arc of, of Hacks is, is 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 brilliant. But yeah, I wanted to mention last there because we're probably going to mention him a couple of times later as well. But I wanted to mention him there because I thought, you know, it's not just he's worked hard to win it back. It's it's the distances that he's that he's maintained, and and then knowing the trigger of when to press, pressing so aggressively. I think I was just really impressed with with that side of it, which of course caused a goal. And it reminded me of something that Danny Butterfield said all the way back over Christmas from, uh, in February when we did our live pod. And he said, we press to score. We don't just press just to disrupt them. We don't press just to try and kind of stop them playing. We try and force turnovers in positions that we can then go and score. And it, that's exactly what happens. So it was nice to see it happen from the start, of course. Q Hannibal with a cigar on going, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, probably... indeed. Oh, God, please, you laughed at that because as I got halfway through it, I thought, shit, you're about 15 years younger than me or something. Are you going to even know what the A-team is? Um, quick question then from Sean Simons on uh, Twitter. 
do you think there's maybe a future for Hacks in the current Lincoln squad when our strikers return? No. And that's no. nothing to do with his ability on the ball. I think it's I think even Mark Handy after the game yesterday mentioned I think the long term for both parties is still separated. And I think Lincoln are going to push on without him and Hacks will, will obviously go elsewhere. I don't think it's necessarily all on the pitch stuff. You know, we don't we don't have we don't have the luxury of you know, knowing what players' contracts are and all that sort of stuff. But I think kind of reading between the lines, of course, he was brought in in the summer, wasn't he? Um, under Michael Appleton, you know, after we were kind of chasing um, a good season after our playoff push. And yeah, reading between the lines, I'm thinking, does he do, you know, does he does he sit outside of a wage structure? Does he just sit outside of you know some things that are off the pitch and nothing to do with ability? Because his his work ethic, his his personality has never been in question. There's clearly yeah. something else there, um, you know, that hasn't changed. But while he's part of the, well, he is part of the the squad, and he will be until January, I think. Then you know, it's good for us, of course, because uh, he's playing well and he's a threat. He is a threat, but also it gives him a better opportunity of getting a, a good deal elsewhere. You know, pre-season, you know, he was probably realistically looking at a League Two team, and then when that didn't materialise, then maybe a National League loan. You know, if he continues playing how he has done the last couple of appearances for the rest of um, kind of this year, this calendar year, there's going to be a League One to- clubs after him in January. Yeah. So I think it's a win-win situation for both clubs, but I can't see him being part of the squad for the rest of the season. I'll come back on to Hacks in a minute. Um, but we, you know, given that their leveller was in such close proximity to our goal, it's only fair for us to discuss the two very, very closely. We're talking about Lass again. Now, I'm going to defend Lass. I've done it in my article and I've watched this. I've watched it back two or three times and I'm going to defend Lass with this header. And as I understand it, I didn't, I didn't actually have the home commentary on. I had the away commentary on because I actually find it a little bit more telling sometimes. It's interesting to mm. get other perspectives. Um. But I understand that the home commentary was very, very, uh, the away commentary, the Lincoln commentary rather, was very, very critical of Lass heading the ball back into a danger area. And I think TJ did something similar um, a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who against now, but he headed a ball back into a, a danger area, I think. Um, I've watched it back. I think he's heading that back to the goalkeeper. And I think it's a miscommunication between him and, and, and Jensen. And the still plenty of time to block an opportunity or a shot as it comes across. And I'm not convinced that we shouldn't have done better with the effort once it came in. I mean, it it looked maybe it took a deflection from, from the angle that we can see it. And with it being League One football, we only get one angle. But I'm not convinced that the keeper shouldn't have done better. And I know that I'm going to draw your anger here by, uh, by being slightly critical of a goalkeeper, of course. Um, but it was a bad time to concede. I think, as I've said already, had we held on for 10, 15 minutes, they didn't particularly impress me as, as an attacking force. They held on to the ball very, very well, but they didn't impress me as an attacking force. Um, it was just it was just a bad goal to concede and a really bad time to concede it after we'd scored. Yeah, I think the timing is probably more of an issue than the actual individual elements. So I think first, it's a bloody good pass. The crossfield pass that causes last to head it is a great ball. It's a really, really good ball. You know, you never ever, you never ever praise the opposition, do you? You know, you you kind of you always just criticise your own players. But I think it was, it was a really well weighted pass. Lass has worked really hard to get something on it. And you mentioned um, the Radio Lincolnshire commentary. Now, Mark Hone was critical. You're absolutely right. But he also went and watched it back three or four times afterwards. And then he said, "You know what? I think I've been a bit harsh to ha- to last there and kind of apologise a little bit." So yeah, he was critical initially, okay. but in fairness to him, did go back and, and kind of change his mind. I've watched it back hundreds of times and I still can't work out exactly what he's trying because Mark Hone's criticism was exactly as you mentioned, which, is, which was heading it back across into, into, the, into the area. Um, and then when Mark watched it back, he said he thinks that Lass is, he's actually tried to head it out. He, instead of decision, he, said he was criticising his decision, really, was the initial thing to head it back in. And then watching it back, he, he thought in terms of his like, angle of his head, his, his decision was actually to head it out for a throw-in, which Mark thought was the right the right decision in the first place. But it's just, yeah. Um, so it was like the right decision, but just the wrong execution, which is more forgivable than the wrong decision, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. To be honest, the amount of times I've watched it back, I still can't see that, but I don't know exactly what he's, he's aiming for. So, yeah, I don't think Lass at any point means to head it back into the path of the striker. And he does get half-decent height on it, just doesn't get the distance. Um I'll be honest, if I'm a goalkeeper in that situation, 
I think I'm I'm thinking I'm off my line there to close that down. All right. As soon as the ball, because it, it wasn't like he headed the ball down and it just bubbled in. It he headed it in the air and then it obviously dropped central. I think I'm I'm think I'm rushing off my line to come and claim it. Yeah. I agree with you, whether last meant it or not. Um, but what I think was important important point you made is that there was a good few seconds between that and the ball going in the net. And the actual shot, I don't think there's a lot we could do. There's three Lincoln players around the ball, and they're all really close. And then there's um Lane has managed to get the ball just in the corner of the goal, that one little tiny space where we, we, we didn't have coverage. And I think that's just good finish. But I don't think you can criticise the defenders too much. You know, it's not like he had acres of space. There were three players on him. He's just found that lap, that little that little space. I think the only criticism would be, and I can't remember the play it went into, so I think it was Kamara that contested the header with Lass and then Kamara centred it into somebody who then laid it off to Lane. And it's not necessarily getting tight enough to the player that was central. I can't remember which player it was. Um, if if we're being critical, I, I think I think that's really harsh, to be honest, to be super critical. I think it's, you know, half mistakes from a couple, which is, you know, and it's just kind of the stack of cards, isn't it? It's that, that, that domino effect a little bit. I think the biggest issue was just, <laughs> it was three minutes after we scored. And that yeah. was that real sucker punch, really, because I was the same as you, thinking, oh, if we can hang on here, like, just keep it tight, which we had been up until that point, really. Um, you know, give it 10, 15 minutes. You then kind of think, you know, the, the fans are going to get on their back, potentially. You know, that raucous atmosphere is going to at least dampen, if nothing else. It's going to be a little bit of frustration. And then, you know, that's that's our bread and butter. We love playing in those sort of situations, don't we? Um so yeah, it was disappointing, but see at that point it's it's kind of back to nil nil again, isn't it? Yeah. And we'd take that all day long if that's how it finished. The thing is, we had eight minutes, two goals, and then nothing happened in 40 minutes. And it <laughs> yeah, really exactly. didn't. Portsmouth had loads of the ball. They were they were MK Dons from two seasons ago where they were passing and probing, but they they never looked like breaking us down. I think their only other serious effort of the first half was uh, Marlon Pack's free kick, which went wide. We actually had another effort if I remember correctly was it O'Connor's header it was a long throw from Hacks and this is what's bringing me back round to Hacks is that long throw Jesus Christ um, so he's launched a throw in I, I genuinely think he could throw me the 11 miles that I ran yesterday I mean it's such a good throw he's come back out to him and as a winger he's delivered a really good cross so with us it, it's very much like we're, we're the sort if it, if it was a boxing match they were the, the boxer that were trying to knock us out and we were just there to soak up the punches and then take a, our opportunity when it came. So, actually, it was a boring first half after that. That's the honest truth. 40 minutes was was just boring and stagnant. And that if you suits were us, let's be honest. Away from home at Portsmouth, that suits us, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does suit us because people criticise, people are crit quite critical of Lincoln, some, some Lincoln fans are, in that we're not forward-thinking enough, we're not this, we're not that, but that's the plan. And I think that's what frustrates me a little bit is when it's, oh, we should go, we should go for broke, we should do this. We should... We've got a plan and that plan has been working very well for us when we've had strikers. That's our first defeat in the league since the opening day of the season. So actually, the only two games that we've lost are both away, both at promotion contenders in terms of Portsmouth, who are top, and Bolton, who on the opening day of the season were favourites for the title. So I don't think we're in a bad place, but you can't give away goals like the second goal. And... It's an individual error. I've watched it back. I know, I think I know who's to blame for it. Um, but it had been messaged to me that we struggled to deal with set pieces. I don't think that was the case because actually we'd half dealt with the set piece. The only thing that hadn't happened is Ted Bishop's tried to hook it on to get it away, which is exactly what should have happened for one of the Derby goals last week, by the way. Um, he hasn't. He's hooked it kind of out to the side. It's gone back to Kamara on the flank, who really impressed me, actually, for Portsmouth, one of the few players of theirs I thought had the keys to unlock our, our, our defence. But it's a back post header. And again, I'm not being critical of an ind individuals. I'm trying not to. But I think that there is a, a, a definite question mark over the defending and, and potentially maybe, again, the goalkeeping. Am I going to be shot down for that yet? I'm trying to provoke a response, aren't I? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't. I don't think you can blame Jensen for the first one in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, maybe into the coming off his line for the first one for the last. If it is, if it is intended to go back to Jensen, but yeah, like you say, those those sort of things happen. I don't think you can you can really blame him there. I, I do think he does have a role to play in the second one. I have to admit, not solely, but definitely has a role to play. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think we do have an issue defending set pieces. 
You know, we defended them incredibly well last season. On the whole, we're doing it well this year. We've just happened to have conceded a couple, you know, like the one against Carlisle. You can't do a lot about that. You know, it's a balling, little bobbling little flick on. Everyone else is doing everything right. It's just one of those. Um, and we, you're right, we dealt with the first contact. We just didn't deal with the second the second phase too well. And yeah, I think Ted does have to, sadly, um, shoulder a little bit of the blame there because that's just where you, you either... He actually had space to get the ball down and either run with it, as he often does, or just clear your lines. You know, he's he's kind of half tried to, to play out, but it wasn't a conviction. Uh, there wasn't any conviction in the pass. And that's just asking for another ball back in. Big looping cross. And I, do, I think Jensen gets caught underneath it. He, he, he starts to come. He gets caught underneath it. And then it's and then and then of course once the Paul wins the header, then it's it's an open goal. Now, I'm not going to say that if Jensen did stay on his line, that he's therefore going to save it. But it's certainly much easier to head to score when there's not a goalkeeper there. <laughs> if there is, was the header um, was the header too easy? I don't think. I think Regan Paul's just really good in the air and he's won it well. I think he's got really good a really good leap. I don't want to put any real blame on Burrows there at all. Um, I think it's a good header. I think Regan Paul's done well to win it. I don't think you can criticise that, especially you know those situations. You ask you to you, your 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 team to to win the individual battles, and you know you can't win every single one. You just try and win the majority, and the team that wins the majority of those fifty fifties tends to win the game. You know it's just one of those. Regan Paul leapt really well, won the ball, had an open goal to head at at that point, of course. So yeah, sadly. Um, you know, sorry, Keepers Union. I'm going to put a, li- a little bit of the blame to, to Lucas. Also, of course, we wouldn't have had to do that at any point if, if we just cleared our lines after the second phase and, and Ted hadn't, you know, maybe mis- misplaced that pass. But yeah, it was a bit of a sucker punch because as much as it was two, there was kind of elements of individual errors in both the goals. Portsmouth didn't really create a great deal apart from that. They hadn't carved us open at any point and we just didn't deserve it. We just didn't deserve it at all. And it was just really disappointing and frustrating at that point. And I have to admit, I, I went in, well, at half time, you kind of go in thinking, bugger, <laughs> really don't you? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of punch to the stomach. But at the same time thinking, I struggle to see where we're going to score because the criticism of us and the, the, the concern that we've had, as we, you and I have discussed, we all know the situation with the strikers. We think, flipping out, you know, we can't, can't see where a goal is coming from second half now. But actually, I thought we were a real threat second half at times. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key is we weren't just a threat in the second half. I think we were the better side in the second half. We had more shots. We had more shots on target. They had 6-1. Uh, I can't remember off the top of the head, my head now our, our, our shots, but I know XG, we were, we were over one as well. Three of the six of theirs all came in one move from a corner and they were all blocks on the edge of the area. They were never really sort of close to going in. Portsmouth, when I say Portsmouth disappointed me, I mean I obviously don't mean that because they, they didn't because I don't care about Portsmouth, say that a million times. But for a team that are top of the table with what they've got, they disappointed me in an attacking sense. I don't think they looked clinical. I don't think they looked like they had the ideas to break us down. When when you imagine that we were at, we're not at full strength, almost certainly. We are, you would say, at the back and in the midfield, but certainly not going forward. But I don't think that they had the keys to break us down. That's what frustrates me, because actually they scored two goals and I think they had three shots on target the entire game. Um, yes, and yes, of the two goals... Those, sorry. Okay. I say of the two goals that they, they were gifted as well. So sorry, go on. I was just saying I was gonna just gonna clarify the stats. Like so they had ten shots in the whole game, so did we. They had three on yeah. target, we had four. Their XG was 0.77 and ours was one point three. Yeah. So and, and that's yeah, but they scored two goals from those from those, you know, those the quality of chances that they created is really unlikely. So no, yeah. 0.5 of our XG is one chance, but we will come to that. <laughs> we'll come to that but at the end. Was the same as them. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Same XJ as they do. Yeah, yeah, it would. At the end of the day, we deserved something from that game, irrespective of of anything. Um, But the second half, we came out with a different ethos. We had more possession than we had in the first half. So I think in the second half, we were over 40%, whereas in the first half, we were under, we were around the 30% mark. So we had more of the ball. I was really impressed with Ethan in the midfield, uh, but Ethan Hamilton. 
thought Ethan Hamilton was bordering on our man of the match. I thought he worked tirelessly. thought he's got great, he's great at carrying the ball. And I thought if we were going to get anything, it may come from him. He had a, one of our efforts on target in the second half that he started, that he finished, that I think he's settling in. I think we've got a, a better midfield pairing. If I was Portsmouth, a Portsmouth fan, I'd swap Marlon Pack and Joe Morrell for Ethan Arahan and Ethan Hamilton all day long. And 100%. I think that that's... I think that's something that's a huge benefit to us. So so I thought second half, we were more positive. We were more likely to score without pouring all over them. Um, and, and the only team I actually thought were going to score in the second half, despite agreeing with what you just said about us, I didn't think we were going to score. But I thought if anybody was going to score in the second half, it was going to be us. Yeah, well, I, I'm, that's how I felt going into half time. That's, to be honest, that's how I felt going into the game <laughs> um, altogether. But um, I've been really impressed with how we've played since... The bad news, of course, about the striker situation. I've and obviously we uh, we we discussed this after the after the game last weekend, and it was probably a little bit a bit of doom and gloom around the podcast last Sunday, wasn't there? And I have to admit, I actually feel a lot more positive around it now as than, than I did then. Um, yeah, there's uh, of course we know that we would we would have carried more of a threat with with our strikers on the pitch and with Danny Mandrew on the pitch. We know that, but we're not as ineffective going forward as I feared we might be and that was that was just a real a real kind of pleasant surprise really and it shows that you know there's enough right about us here and my concern this time last week was thinking you know we're going to go into games not just against Portsmouth away which of course we'd be happy with the point but we're going to most games thinking well we can stay in this game for 90 minutes but where the hell is a goal coming from maybe you know we're almost looking for a point in most games I've, got, I've, I've massively stepped away from that, that pessimism that I had there. I think, you know, we're, we're still more than good enough to create chances. We're still more than good enough to, you know, to, to create good opportunities and, and, and decent volume of opportunities. You know, we had 10 shots today, um, yesterday. It wasn't, you know, last season, even with a full-strength team, we didn't get 10 shots away in many games at all. Uh, so, yeah, we're all right, basically. I suppose in <laughs> the overview is we're OK. We deserved something from the game yesterday. We didn't get it. You like to think that evens itself over the season. But in terms of, you know, where are we as a club this season and with the with the fear that around the striker situation, I actually personally feel a lot more comfortable now than I did a week ago. Let's fast forward to the 90th minute plus eight injury time. And bear in mind, they scored um, in the 48th minute. They scored in the eighth minute. Eight was the magic number. 98 minutes have gone. Um, Cordy O'Connor's header is cleared off the line. It falls to Adam Jackson. Now, I want to know, have you watched that back? I've you seen it a couple it. of times. I haven't watched it as often as I watched the Crossfield pass to try and look at what Lass was doing with his header. But I have seen it a couple of times, yes. Is there a really, really, really weak shout for a penalty? Oh, I didn't I didn't even see a, a penalty shout, to be honest. I'll have to watch it again and again and again to see. So I don't know is the answer. But I- if it's not obvious, then gut instincts probably no. But I don't, I, you know, I don't know. If you're watching the ball, you don't see it. If you're watching Adam Jackson, you see it. The reason Jacko's not on balance when he strikes the ball is he's just got up off his ass because he's had his shirt pulled and gone over by Sean Maggot. Oh. Now, if it's given against you, you're fuming. And I'm not going to say, I'm not blaming it. I thought the referee had a good game yesterday. I thought he dealt with potential flashpoints very well, including that little horror in the midfield for Portsmouth, who's gone down in my estimations, Mr. Morrell, because you don't tackle Ethan Arahan like that and stay in my good books. Honestly, it was it was just a, a silly foul. Really frustrating. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I felt a bit for Jacko because as the ball's come over, he's pulled to the ground. The header goes in. He's only just got himself back on his feet when he strikes it. Um you just think Ted Bishop there, Ethan around. Oh, anyone else? Ethan yeah, you know, Jacko is not in the team to score goals, is he? That's not why. He, that's not always there. Mark Kennedy made that point, but I think the big one is is O'Connor. Oh, he's off, cleared off the line. It's a great header. He's so unlucky. Good defending as well. I suppose you've got to look at it from the other side. But yeah, they're the things. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, the commentary again. Mark Home said about five minutes. I felt like, come on, you get one more chance. Just one more chance is all we need. And then that was the, that was it, wasn't it? That was that chance. And sadly. Didn't quite go in our favour, but I think it was well in the game for the whole second half. So it's, I always think it sounds stupid to kind of say this, but I, I know what I mean when I say it, which is to, to, the best way of analysing a game is taking the goals out of it. But if you, but of course, there's always game, there's always game state. So, you know, teams play different because of the goals that have gone in. But not 2-1, they don't, because that's too dangerous for the Portsmouth to kind of 
sit back or to not attack as, as, as much as they normally would do. Not a lot changes at, at, at 2-1 compared to 1-0. Um, so I think, take you know, you, you can judge this game by taking the goals out of it and, and you get a really clear picture of both, where both teams are at. And I think Porsche are very, very good in the ball. I think there's a, a lot of teams that are far inferior to us in terms of their defensive organisation, which means that they will be able to carve teams open and create chances, even if that is something that they have generally struggled with, is creating that high volume. There's no denying they're a good team. But from our perspective, we are we haven't looked we haven't looked any less solid. We 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 definitely are as solid as we thought we were going to be. You've mentioned those the first two thirds of the pitch are pretty much full strength and they are. And we have actually still got an attacking attacking threat more than we maybe worried about this time last week. So take the actual result away. The performance is really good, really promising against a very, very good side. You know, we're going to come on to Wednesday against West Ham. That's going to be just a really good evening, a real you know, celebration of the club and, and just a, a fun evening with, with no pressure at all. And the big one, of course, is, is Saturday against Cheltenham where, you know, we get a big three points there. And, you know, we, we, we're back on track, aren't we? Well, that, that's what I've said. And it, it's going to kind of bring, into, bring us on to our next topic of conversation. So we're going to move away from, I think, from the Portsmouth game. But I, I felt a little bit like you in that, I just, I just thought we played well. And Mark Kennedy came out after the game and said he felt that it's one of the best performances his team's put in in the 70-odd games that he's managed Lincoln. And there'll be a lot of people who, reactionists and, and resultists, you know, the people that if you win and they go, that's great. And if you lose, that's bad and, and don't see kind of beyond that. And that's, that's up to them. That's fine. But I think it's really hard sometimes to understand that you can lose a game and still take lots and lots of positives from it. And I don't. I think aside from the fact we didn't get three points, which is all football's about. Um, but aside from that, I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel bad at all, and I, it was just well, frustrating. What you make about the the points is of course, of course the most important statistic of them all is a scoreline. I can only get that. You're there to get the three points, but there's not just one match in a season, exactly. and it's you know it's the, the performance and and the structure that you have in place that can then influence how many times you are you do get the three points and if we play like that for the majority of the games this season we'll get plenty of three points we really will i think what um well not confused what frustrates me the most and what i my overriding thought when i first opened my eyes this morning because it's on a sunday morning it's the first thing i think about because i know i've got to write the game up i've gone to bed i've tried to play it over in my head a little bit i tried not to be reactionary and the first thing was just this desperation at how close are we again? And I felt it. Blackburn and Blackpool and Wickham, we won 3-0 and 3-0. And we came away from that going, we're still not at our best yet. We've still got more to go. There's more gears. We're going to settle into this. And and, and you, then the weekend that was our festival weekend happened where, because if you look at it, we lost. Tyler Walker, I think, played his last game. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The week before we played Sheffield United. Was that Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury, yeah, he started, didn't he? Um, so he or he came on in, in whatever. No, was it Blackpool? I think he kept Blackpool. We won three nil. Anyway, he came on in one game, and that was the last time he played. Then Ben House dropped out the next game. Sheffield United. Then Danny Mandroyu dropped out the next game. Bristol Rovers. And in between that, we signed an injured striker as well. And that's literally the space of seven days. We lose those four players. And he just watching yesterday, and we will move on because we're thirty odd minutes in now. But just watching yesterday, I just have that sense of what. M- it's not what might have been, it's what could still be. And after this ad break, we're going to explain why it could still be. Uh, if it's betting, please, please, I apologise. I have spoken to TalkSport. I understand we had some Virgin Bet um, adverts on the other day. We have stressed that we don't want those. So uh, my uh, sincere apologies. I haven't had a response yet. So this episode, because it's going out, could still have them on. But rest assured, I am um, seeking to stop that. Uh, let's see what we've got. Hi, I'm Ali Smith, and you're listening to the Stacey West Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So this is another unsolicited advert. My apologies for dropping them in deep in the middle here. Um, This is an advert for something that's happening at the ground and it is definitely not in the middle of the podcast because I forgot to do it whilst recording with Chris. This is me recording afterwards. It's because I wanted to make it feel super special. Um, So this weekend we play Cheltenham Town at home, as you well know. uh, On the trust stand, so the Reddings Community Trust Stand, at the ground, it'll be somewhere between uh, the pop-up club shop and the, the tipsy imp. Mr. Imp Toons himself, the fabulous Chris Ray, um, will be selling his collectible cards and yearbooks and all that sort of thing um, in the uh, in the fan village. So it's in aid of the air ambulance. It's kind of a, a pop-up Imp Toons shop. He does it every so often. He'll be on hand there to kind of talk about everything he does. But your collectible cards and your yearbooks are all on sale. So if you're a, a collector of Imp Toons bits and bobs, as I certainly am, you need to get yourself down there um, for that and make sure that you... Uh, you pick up all the bits that you want in aid of the air ambulance he's fantastically talented don't tell him i said that though please i tell him that all he's doing is coloring in and there's no skill in coloring in i did it when i was five um but you and i know that's a lie he's fantastically talented and he'll be in the uh the fan village this weekend i'm jordan wright and you're listening to the stacy west podcast so before we had our short break we were going to tell you why it's not what might have been it's what could still be uh, and we're going to be talking strikers. So first of all, I'm going to pick up on something that my, Mark said after the game. Um, he basically said Danny Mandroyu has been injured, which we know, uh, for 24 days. But um, he should be back this week. He didn't know whether it was before or after West Ham. The likelihood that it kind of rings around in my head is it, it would be silly to risk him in the West Ham game. But he may get some time in that game, may not. But we'd expect to see him back. Cheltenham, I yeah. think at some point is what we're kind of understanding. Jack Vale, as I understand it, is due back at the club this Monday. Now he's going to be a little bit further away in terms of match fitness, almost certainly. So I would I would expect that we may start seeing him orient Peterborough perhaps on the bench. I don't know. Um, so bodies are beginning to come back, and that's going to be a big, big plus. Uh, but when I said, what do we want to talk about today? You threw, I hadn't even noticed it because I hadn't looked at anybody else's results or goals. But you want to talk about something that happened in League Two. Freddie Draper is a hell of a centre-forward. He's going to be brilliant for us. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen his goal yesterday, in a game that they lost, by the way, um, you have to watch it. So, Freddie's played, had made eight appearances for, for, for Walsall now this season, scored three goals, got two assists with an XG of 4.5. So he's, he's, he's doing brilliantly and he's underperformed his XG at the moment. And he did that at Drogheda in the first few games. And then his, and then his actual goal output caught with his XG and he scored, what, nine, I think, in 20-odd games in the end. But yeah, he just scored a fantastic goal yesterday. So Cross came in from the left-hand side. He was kind of penalty spot sort of area, back to goal, sent a half on him. He was holding him off with his, with his strength. One touch with his left foot swivels all in one movement and then shoots with his right foot. It's just a fantastic goal. He's he's just turned into a like a man. Like he's, he's gone from boy to man after since going to, to Drogheda and, and obviously now in League Two. And of course, we in terms of what could be, we fully expected what should have been, if you like, with Ben House, with Tyler Walker, for example. Well, we know they're not they're going to be out for quite some time. Certainly Ben House is going to be out for quite some time, but yeah, maybe Freddie Draper's going to get his going to get his uh, his Lincoln City calling just maybe six months sooner than we were expecting him to. If he continues on the trajectory that he has shown, not just this season but since the summer, really when, on was on an island, but particularly in League Two because it's a lot more relatable, isn't it? When it's one league below you in your country, you know, in our country where we play, we know what the levels are like. It's, you haven't got to kind of try and do that comparison in your head, thinking, well, they're kind of there, kind of there. Some teams are here, some aren't. We all know how what League Two is like, and it's not a million miles away. The top end of League Two is not a million miles away from bottom end of League One. And Freddie is excelling. 
absolutely excelling. Um, I'm just really excited about it. Really excited about it. So, yeah, I kind of think in the whole striker situation, Jack Vale's back soon. Danny Mandroyu isn't as injured as we thought he was. Uh, we're not as kind of, even without those guys, we're not, we're not as kind of toothless, I suppose, as maybe I worried that we might be. We're all right. We're all right, Jack. We're all right. I, I my my kind of optimism comes perhaps from a, a slightly misplaced um, sense of comfort at our next opponents, um, because I think if if you're in the situation you're we're in now, and your next two games are Orient away and Peterborough away. There is a little bit of well, we might we might take two points from that. We, we yeah we're good enough to take four points from that. Not even at full strength, but you've got to have a centre forward. But actually, I'm looking at the Cheltenham game and I'm thinking, you know, they are poor. I mean, yeah. Wade Elliott's just gone. They haven't scored a goal yet this season, let alone they've got one point. Ironically, against Portsmouth, um, they they got a point, but it, it's a game where it's. And I know we talked about Carlisle. You look at Carlisle and Cheltenham and they're two games you've got to win. You take your centre-forwards out. Carlisle are the ones that probably are going to be able to hurt you a little bit more, whereas Cheltenham at the minute, they're rudderless. A highly high potential for Steve Cottrell, I think, to be going back there from what I understand, which will which will change them significantly. But if he's even if he does go back Wednesday, Thursday time, it's not very much. You it, It's just one of those games that you look at and think that's just come at the best time. That's come at the best time. They've got a terrible record at Sinsel Bank. We if we do the things that we can do with the players that we've got. It shouldn't matter if we've got Hakiba Delican up front with Hackett and Bishop on either side. Even if Danny Mandrew doesn't come back in for that game, that forward line should still be able to be good enough to compete against the Cheltenham team. That's not complacency. I've got Cheltenham fans that I know who have basically, they're already relegated in their minds. So actually, then you've got Leighton Orient midweek and Peter, I think, away the week after. There, That's two tough games. That's Two more away games, by the way, back to back again. I mean, <laughs> honestly, away games, but it, it kind of it sets us up a little bit for that. We could maybe go to Orient and Danny Mandrio might have got thirty minutes, or we might have had an hour. We might be able to bring Jack Bell. So again, I've got that sense, that positive sense. Walsall fans won't have that because Walsall fans will look at us and, and Ben House being injured. The sensible thing now, if he continues to play, will be to call Treddy Draper back because. It's not we. If he's not going to play an awful lot, it's better to leave him at Walsall while he's playing games. But if we've got Ben House coming back from injury, Tyler Walker arguably at that point coming back from injury, signing a striker makes no sense. Spending money on a striker who's going to want a one and a half year deal or a two and a half year deal makes no sense. Bringing Freddie Draper back is the is, is the financial sense as well as the development sense and then if it sets him back six months and we loan him back out to league two you know so be it but if he comes back and seizes the moment then when you've got three strikers going into the next season and you don't have to worry about signing a jack bale so for me that's where we are with draper i haven't seen his goal i've just watched it while you've been um while you were talking about it wow yeah, he's, he's... The thing is, when he Technique. went to Ireland, he went there and just basically beat up a league, didn't he? Like his physical, his physicality is just beyond his years massively. Yeah, yeah. holding off a, an established, you know, league centre half quite comfortably to be able to control. He's just, yeah, he's the guy's just impressing me more and more and more and more. The more I see, and he just kind of think he, he just, and he also, it's not just, it's not like a Charlie Kendall style. Of player who you think oh, okay, he's doing really well out on loan. Let's, let's imagine that Charlie Kendall had gone out on loan, scored five or six goals by now, playing in a front two, running in behind all the time. You think, okay, that's great. It's that massively transferable to how we play? Probably not. Freddie Draper could play up top for us on his own in that lone striker role with the two behind him. He could walk into the team now, yeah, style wise, and, and we wouldn't adapt how we play. And I think that's that's huge. I agree, I agree, and I'd love. There's nothing more I would love. Well, there is. There's a lot more that I'd love, actually. Um, I'm not even going to go there, but there's a lot that I'd love. But in terms of football, um, seeing Freddie Draper coming back for Lincoln and becoming a starting number nine. And to be fair, you know, we had this idea in our heads on the podcast that a good season for Ben House, people would come sniffing in January. He's now been set back um, quite yeah. a while on that. So actually, 
if if we were to go into next season, if Draper continues, you could realistically go into next season with House Walker and Draper as as a as a three attacking options. And I think if anything, this injury period now has probably underlined the fact that having a viable third striker and being able to rotate those strikers is really important. We went into this season pre-Jack Vale and we didn't expect to sign him thinking that we were going to be Walker and House with Makama backing up. Greatest respect to Joven. He comes on, he puts himself about, puts a bit of effort in. But Joven is a fair way from being a League One starting striker at this moment in time. He needs, he would be perfect for Drahida. He would be perfect yeah, this he, January. He needs a, a development loan to help him. Yeah. Well, develop, obviously. Just yeah. like, just like, Freddie wasn't in the team for a while. You know, obviously, had a few a few appearances um, when we didn't have any strikers under Akla but then hasn't really played much first team football. Um, went across to Drahida, grew. Yeah, exponentially, really, didn't he? In terms of just in stature, um, performances, confidence, etc., and then doing that in League Two, Sean Rowan did it as well. Joe just hasn't had a, had, yeah. had his opportunity yeah. to have that loan yet, and you know, it makes perfect sense to me to get fully back in the squad in in January. Let then then let Joven go out and have his loan, and we've then got a high as they stand right now, a higher quality player in 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 Freddie, or certainly more established player compared to the two. And someone that can come actually start games for us because that was our that was our kind of concern with Joven. Like he's fine in the squad and it's good to give him minutes, but the lad needs to play games at a level that's suitable for him. He's not going to start for us at the moment in the league. Freddie could. Let's get Jez George on the phone, Hayden Can, Jovan McCarmer over to Drogs, get them over there because one always comes back decent. Then they, I mean, Sam Long had a good loan spell there. To be fair, struggled last season, but Sam Long did. Sean, I mean. Uh, all four of the players that have gone over there have actually had decent loans. It's just, you know, they have varying uh, success when they come back. Obviously, Leach is having a, a fairly tough time, I think, at air at the moment. So, um, mm. yeah, let's get let's get Joven and Hayden Can over there because Hayden Can, I'm still convinced, judging by him, he's another one that I think could go over there. And you talk about coming back a man. I mean, he looks physically um, like a man now. Let's get him playing like one as well. Anyway. So that's reasons to be cheerful. And we're always good at bringing you reasons to be cheerful here on the Stacey West podcast. If hearing our dulcet tones is not enough, perhaps, perhaps a Wednesday night under the lights with Lincoln City playing against European champions um, is enough to make you feel cheerful. We haven't got a preview. Um, the the honest answer is because uh, we're recording it on Monday and we don't want to make you wait for the podcast. Uh, the The... Other answer that I quite like is because Charlie can't be asked to get it in and I had to arrange it for him. Uh, but either way, I think because West Ham are playing as we speak, they were 1-0 down against Liverpool as we speak. So they play today. Then they play again on Saturday with, ironically, I believe, uh, against Sheffield United. So we had Sheffield United trying to cram a League Cup game in when they played on the Sunday and then we're playing on the Saturday. And now West Ham on the Sunday and the Saturday as well. Um. We can talk about teams and setups and all that sort of stuff in a minute, but you saw you were getting quite. I think I can't remember if it was on air or off air about how exciting it's going to be. And you was on air actually. It was a big free hit, and it's the game that the Liverpool game that we lost seven two should have been. Now, one question I've got is: the last time we played West Ham at home in the league was nineteen fifty seven, and they beat us six one. If they beat us six one in the cup, is it still a great night for Lincoln City Football Club? Mm. Man, uh, yeah, mm. maybe not quite so good at that level. Because, it really depends on the performance, at, doesn't it? If we just get carved open and carved at, open and carved open, it's like the Alamo, then yeah, it will certainly take the shine off it somewhat. What if it's 6 2? <laughs> because <laughs> everyone, everyone, right now, I don't know. It's genuinely, it, I think it's contextual. Genuinely, you know Liverpool what? beat us 7 2, and I was celebrating the. The Teo Eden and Lewis Monsmas goals. I didn't care about the fact they had scored seven. But when you go to the FA Cup run, where everyone talks about Burnley, no one ever talks about Arsenal because we got beat five 0 That's a good point. It's a good point. You know, though, I just can't see us losing heavily. I can see us losing. You know, of course, let's be honest, we're playing against the European yeah. champion. But I think there's there's a few little snippets of optimism here and, and areas that we can that we can be positive around. You know, we're hard to beat. We are well organised. And West Ham, as a team, are basically a Premier League version of us in that regard. They don't have the ball very often. Their average possession in the Premier League is 40%. Um, 
They are very, very good without the ball, very good in transitions, very good on the counter-attack, and very, very good at set pieces as well. Obviously, it's even better now they've got James Ward-Prowse. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, they're just like a very, very, very good version of us. You know, if we were to play Man City, Liverpool now, doesn't matter how good we are without the ball, like you're going to get carved open because they're bloody good at it. You know, they they, they, they play against that every week. They know how to, to do it. West Ham aren't that team. They're very, very, very good at what they do. But it's not a free-flowing open game that's, you know, they're going to overload us and, and carve us open. We've got a chance here. And so you say, you know, if we lose 6-1, will it, will it not take a shine off? I think maybe, yeah, it will, probably to an extent. I can't see us getting beat heavily. I can see us losing, like I said. I, I can see us going out, hot, you know, with our heads held high, though, and, you know, having put in a, a great shift and having a, a, a great night there. I really, I really can see that. So, West Ham at the minute are actually losing now 2-1 to Liverpool, as we're recording. Their team is... Uh, and pardon any pronunciation here because I'm not a Premier League fan. Ariola, Kufal, Zuma, Aguard, Emerson, Suchek, Alvarez, Bowen, Ward, Prowse, Paqueta, and Antonio. I think any of those will start on on Wednesday. Well, this I is interesting, it. isn't it? Because um, obviously West Ham are also in Europe, as we discussed. They played last week in Europe. They do have a bit more ability to rotate now than they did. A year or two ago, they've certainly improved their depth, so they can rotate and still have a strong squad. Um, but also, they certainly have other priorities. They have European football, they have league football. Um, so I can certainly see a lot of rotation. They do, but it's it's not necessarily going to be a massively weak team. You know, for you know, there's notable players that aren't playing against Liverpool, for example. Uh, let's have a look. I wrote some of these down. Them. Danny Ings, said Banner. Yeah, the centre half. Great signing that is, by the way. Um, Who's that? I think one area of the pitch they don't have huge depth to rotate is up top. Um, they have Ings, they have they have yeah. Antonio, so they've got two strikers. But of course, um, you know, if you want one for the cup, you know, Europe, you want one for Premier League, and you need to bring one off the bench. Maybe against Lincoln in League One, that's an area of the pitch that you do play an under twenty one player, um, and that hopefully could limit their attacking threat. You know, we don't know. I think it's, it's, always, it's always difficult to predict cup games, isn't it? Um, because because of the opposition's strength, you don't know how they how much they're going to rotate. Um, but in terms of how they're likely going to be forced to play, we're going to we're going to make them have the ball, and that's not something they're particularly comfortable with. That's not something they're particularly used to. And I think that goes in our favour. You know, they've still got quality individual players, and I think they've been really sensible. By the way, kind of just slightly, maybe slightly uh, off the um, uh, tangent, but I think they've invested the Declan Rice money really intelligently. You know, to sign. To sign James Ward, Prowse, Alvarez, and Kudus with the money they got for Rice is just quality. Just quality. Um, but it's not about it's not all about West Ham. They've got a competence of bank. They're not going to be used to that sort of atmosphere. They're not going to be used to that sort of environment. Um, you know, we're all going to be up for it. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be absolutely rocking. It's sold out, and we're bloody well, bloody well organised. Hard to beat. We're going to frustrate them. And you, you probably think that the League Cup probably isn't a huge priority for them. A lot of those players are going to have the Premier League game on Saturday in the back of their mind. They're going to have European football in the back of their mind. They don't want to pick up an injury against little old Lincoln. There is a chance here, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not going to the game thinking, yeah, we're going to win this. You know, we disappointed if we don't. But I'm not going into this game thinking we're going to get battered. I've got a bit of optimism. That we could, we could nick something here. We really could, even Penalty. with the situation. No, no penalties. With- I'll take it now. I'll snap my hand off. <laughs> and I'll tell you who will miss their penalty, right? Because we, we're on a little bit of a run Coventry. here. Um, sorry? Kind of Coventry. Is exactly who I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> we're on a, a bit of a run, aren't we? Because we've had Luke Plange score against us for Carlisle, Regan Paul for Portsmouth. If Connor Coventry scores against West Ham, I am getting Ellis Chapman's dad on the phone and telling him, do not let his son play a week on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> because otherwise, Ellis will score as well. Um, yeah, so I think I think we'll see Connor Coventry. I think that they've got, uh, they've got a great side, West Ham, like you say. Um, they have got Sheffield United on the Saturday, so yeah, they've only got Thursday, Friday before they're back in action. Then they've got Friday the the Yeah, so it's that you know that you get the the Guardiola moaning about Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and the you know, the fixtures are tough for them. 
I mean, they're playing Saturday, they played Europa League last Thursday, play today, play Wednesday, play Saturday, play Thursday. So the fixtures are coming thick and fast. They're not going to care about the League Cup. And I always think that you're, you get the... Well, when I say they're not going to care about the League Cup, actually, that, that does professionals a disservice because they'll care about every game they want to play. In. But it isn't a priority. The League Cup's more likely to be a priority for the lower-end um, Premier League teams who are not battling particularly against relegation, but who are also not in Europe. I'm thinking teams like, and forgive me for my complete lack of Premier League knowledge at the moment, I don't know what the table's like, but Crystal Palace, for instance, are a team that you would imagine not in Europe, probably not fancied among the relegation candidates. I would think that's going to be likely what Burnley, Luton, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, I don't know I don't know what the table looks like at the minute. No, but your Palaces and your right Everton's. Now. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, I thought Everton were in the bottom four. I was going to say like an Everton or a, uh, somebody like that will, will be, you know, the League Cup represents a chance of silverware. Spurs, I don't think Spurs are in Europe, are they? They might take the League Cup seriously if they're still in it. I don't know. Um, so, and yeah, it's just going to be a big night. The last time we played them at Sinsel Bank, it was one all. And then we lost 2-1, I think, in extra time um, in 1982 against the West Ham side at the likes of... And I stand to be corrected because I was only three or four, but Trevor Brookin and uh, Harry Redknapp possibly may have played that night. Um, and who was the other one? Lampard. Lampard, not Harry Redknapp. Frank Lampard Sr., potentially. I'd have to have a look. Billy Bonds, I imagine, as well. It's West Ham, it? We, we cheered. Oh, you weren't there when we were in the car on the way back. We, we literally cheered at getting West Ham because it's just what it... I don't know. There's something about them that is kind of... It feels romantic, doesn't it? Do you know, like West End and the people's team and all team. that. And it's a home draw. I think that's the big thing. It's a big Premier League side. You know, it's a. It's not like a. With all due respect, when we played Burnley, as brilliant as brilliant and magical as that day was, they're not an established Premier League team. It's you know, it's Everton are, West Ham are, Aston Villa. You know, those traditional big clubs always in and around it. You know, we don't get them very often. You get it at home. Getting that at homes, yeah, magical. Can't wait. I can't wait. I've got such a busy week with work and I've got so much to get through until Wednesday. Oh, I can't wait for Wednesday to come. You know, I want Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday daytime just to fly by so we can enjoy it. I've got so much to get through isn't until then, your, but I can't um, wait for it. Isn't it your training? Don't you normally train on a on a uh, Wednesday night? Yeah. Oh. Priority. I'm not missing right. this. I'm not missing this for work. <laughs> I've delegated. <laughs> oh dear! Right, we're quite a way through now, fifty-three minutes. But we did. I did ask for some questions on um, social media. Now we haven't left an awful lot of time, uh, to be fair. So there's two questions. One of them I should really have asked back when we did the striker questions. So we'll try and keep these brief. Uh, so Chris Steadman has asked: Do we give Makama a start over a Delican for Cheltenham? No. I don't think I, so. I, I agree. Uh, and that's no that's no disservice to, to Joven. He's I think firstly, Hatch has done really well. Hatch has yeah. done really well, yeah. deserves to keep his place in the team. Um and also Joven just isn't quite ready to start yet. I think he's it's a decent option off the bench. I think you know, in games that we uh, are chasing or games that you know we, we we can bring him on to give him some minutes that we may be already comfortable in. That's that's the ideal situation, isn't it? You're already comfortable in the game, then you bring him on for half an hour. That's ideal. Yeah. Um I just don't think he's quite ready just yet. You know, he's got the physical profile to, to be a, a professional footballer. He's got the a, a physical profile to be hopefully a, a top player for Lincoln. He just needs to go out and, get, and, and play games at a level that's suitable to him. And he's, that just isn't League One yet, in my opinion. So, yeah, short answer is is no. Hacks, Hacks keeps no. his place. I'm happy or we should play 3-5-2 with, with um, Hackett and Mandroy up there. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. For me, Hacks at the moment is doing a perfectly good job. Uh, certainly, we're talking about Cheltenham. I don't think if Mandroyo is approaching fitness, we risk playing him from the start against Cheltenham. Even if he's, even if he is kind of fit again, it's, for me, it's a twenty-five minute thing. Given that we're then playing Tuesday, Saturday after that, I'd, you know, I, I think it's worth sticking with what we've got. We weren't that bad yesterday. We've already said that. We you know, on another day, we, we, we win that game because we don't make the defensive mistakes. So. Uh, and the last question for the day today is from Jason Addison. And he asks, what would you like to see as the next improvement at the ground next summer? Now, 
The improvement I would really like to see, I'm not going to see, and that's um, bigger seats because <laughs> you can't magic <laughs> up space. And um, Matt War, I don't know what he keeps in his trousers, uh, but I think it must be breeze blocks given the leg spread that he has. And I often find myself kind of crammed in a little bit. So um, the, the problem is it's tough, isn't it? Because how do you improve the current footprint? Like you would obviously say, well, I'd like to see an improvement to the food underneath the stand. But logistically, it's really hard. I mean, you're, you sit in the co-op stand as well. I don't leave my seat over half time. There's no point. I go to the toilet if I need it, either while the game's going on, either before or after half time, because there won't be such mad queues. But how do you change that? You see people streaming out to the fan zone 10 minutes before half time because that's the only way that they're going to get served. But you can't put more serving pods on Tipsy, for instance. You know, you've just got to try and get through it. People are coming back 10 minutes later. So it's physically, once the Stacey West's done and the safe standing's in, at the minute, I, now the safe standing's rather, I don't see a major improvement in the actual infrastructure of the stand um, on the back of uh, sort of next summer or on the back of this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think. Yeah, the Stacey West development is obviously going to be good. It's going to improve that end of the pitch a lot. Hopefully, if we can, if we can get the safe standing in there as well, that'd be brilliant. Um, I know we're going to have a safe standing, but if we can get the one to three ratio that we're hoping to get for it so you can get more people in there, that's a way of increasing the capacity. Um, but the only other way of increasing capacity, of course, is build, building a new stand. Um, so that's a, and let's be honest, the only, the only obvious area to do that, it's completely knocked down the, um, the St. Andrews side. And you rebuild it, and that is a huge, 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 huge investment. Um, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So yeah, it's difficult. Like, but all the things that they have added, those little, just those little bits and bobs they've added each season. You know, they're not things that I've particularly thought about, but they've 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 turned up. And, oh, that's a nice little addition. For example, in this in the Colts stand in the last two summers, we've had those like the in the the six one seven little kind of. Yeah. Uh, whatever it's called, the picture thing. And we've got the imps on the other side now, which was installed this summer. There's just little touches just to in improve the, just, it just looks more aesthetically pleasing, doesn't it? Um, you know, painting all the, well, the video, all the back the and video, things, and it, video sponsorships. Mm. That was one. Sorry yeah. to cut over you, the yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But all those little bits and bobs. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm, I'm not a very creative person. I'm rubbish at thinking of new ideas. So I'm not the last person that's going to be able to give you a decent answer to this because I don't know. I'm not very good at thinking of these sort of things. Um, but the, whenever the club does add little bits and bobs, it's always just really well received, isn't it? They, they haven't any of those little kind of additions. There's not nothing's gone wrong. There's been nothing's been a, a negative. It's all been well received. So whatever the club do decide to do infrastructure wise next summer, I have no doubt it'll, it'll add to the experience. And it's probably something that none of us have thought about. Yeah, I'd say probably if I if I had to pick anything that was small and doable, go for a bigger scoreboard with replays and things on it. But um, again, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But what I would say about knocking the St Andrews stand down. Actually, when it was, if you read the um, programs and stuff from when it went up, the plan was that it was built like that so that you could extend it either side and build on it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Because no, it, was, it was originally meant to be the full length, wasn't it? But then, of course, the yeah. um, Hillsborough disaster happened, and all the the architecture had to be changed in the plans, hence why there's massive, massive gaps between the seats, there's huge spacings between the steps and things like that. So that I thought the... I thought it had to be reduced in size because the, the budget just wouldn't stretch for the whole width. That's what I thought, but maybe I'm wrong about that. So, so it was actually built in response to the Bradford fire because there was a wooden Sorry, stand there yeah, before. Um, and, and that's why there's big walkways to allow lots of easy access, lots of easy kind of escape. Um, and the reason I, I understood that it was scaled down was because we were relegated from the Football League. I think the initial, so it was knocked down. It was actually knocked down before my first game. So I, my first game was October 86. So it was kind of knocked down when we dropped into Division 4. We were The intention was that we were going to bounce straight back because we were a Division 3 side and we'd been challenging for the second division a couple of years earlier. And it, actually, we dropped straight through it like a dodgy prawn curry goes through a person. Um, so before you know it, we were in the toilet that was the GM Vauxhall Conference. So I think then the plans were scaled down, but the idea was we could build on either side. And if I remember correctly, many moons ago, having a conversation with somebody at the club, the problem with building on the other side is being able to get people out of the ground quick enough. So I'm not quite sure because everybody comes down to the front and out rather than going down kind of uh, an upper and a lower tier. 
it had problems mm. with ingress and egress, um, so to speak. So, yeah, that's where we were. So what a, what a positive thing to end a podcast on is talking about you know, how can we expand and how can we make things better um, off the pitch? Because we don't need at the moment to talk about how do we improve things on the pitch. We know how we improve things. We get players fit. Once players are fit, Lincoln City is still in a really, really good place. Even if we have lost back-to-back games for the first time this season, the Mickey Mouse trophy doesn't really count. And all of the games that we've lost now, including Derby, have been away against teams that you would expect to be knocking on the door of the championship. I think Portsmouth, Derby and Bolton were the top three in nearly everybody's picks. So there's no shame in that at the moment. The big test comes now. Cheltenham at home, uh, Leighton Orient away, Peterborough away. But I suppose before all of that, European champions, not the European champions, that's Man City, but European champions of a sort, West Ham United, Sinsel Bank, Wednesday night, all the pressure's off, and I'm sure 10,000 of us will be singing something along the lines of Up the Imps. Up the Imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.